we need to think about metrics in a different way. There's research done about the size of the buying centers as your deal size increases. So like if you're sub 50K ACV, on average, there's seven people in the buying center. As you're looking at over $250,000 ACV, there's almost 20 people involved. And for that reason, one of the very important points that we're trying to share across the organization is that tracking MQLs when we're thinking about an enterprise deal is not effective. It's actually, as we go up market increasingly, it's gonna be a losing battle. Welcome to the OpStars podcast. We host authentic conversations with revenue operations professionals running the show behind the scenes, holding things together, doing whatever it takes to innovate to solve problems, build processes, and manage the data to build a modern revenue engine that powers a great buyer experience. I'm your host, Rachel McBrearty. Hello, it's Rachel, Chief Customer Officer of Lean Data. Welcome to today's episode where I am joined by Pat Oldenburg, Vice President of Demand Generation at Motive. Motive offers modern fleet management software that improves safety, productivity, and profitability, serving more than 120,000 businesses across a wide range of industries. Welcome, Pat. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Pat brings over 15 years of experience in the marketing industry. Prior to his current role of VP of DG at Motive, he was the VP of Demand Marketing at ServiceMax where he was responsible for driving awareness in the market, sourcing pipeline, and improving win rate and velocity. In addition to his responsibilities at Motive, Pat serves as an advisor at Goldcast and Sendoso. Pat joined Motive as it is expanding from small business to move up market to large enterprise. This expansion to include larger organizations requires different KPIs, attribution, assets, and channel mix than serving individuals and small accounts. Pat will share his insight and proven models designed to successfully build out capabilities to win in this market. Before we get to that, spend a few minutes to share your career journey and what led you to the role at Motive Technologies. Sure, happy to. So I started my career in customer marketing. I worked for Documentum, which was acquired by EMC Corporation. And I basically worked between sales and and the install base on reference activities case studies, press releases, speaking opportunities, and sales calls. And so I moved to McAfee at that point where I stayed in customer marketing, but I got more onto the program management side. So managing the website for the customer-facing reference program. And that's kind of the first time that I really started thinking in terms of, okay, there are things that you can do with digital marketing, testing, conversion rate optimization that can really turn, turn the dial. And so I left McAfee. I ended up moving to a company called Five9, which is cloud contact center software. And I led the digital marketing team there. So I really kind of fell in love with being able to quickly make changes, the scale of digital marketing as far as advertising and SEO and content, and really making an impact on pipeline and sales. So at the end of, of my run with Five9, I kind of started leading the marketing operations team, which was really a new function for me. And I really learned kind of behind the scenes, all the things that go into making sure that attribution works, making sure that leads are being tracked through the system and the whole life cycle. Moved to ServiceMax, which is field service management software, where I was for the past six years. And what ServiceMax was doing was basically moving up market. We had just removed the small business product line, selling into 
pesticide landscaping, those types of companies started moving up market to you know, multinational organizations. And what, what I was doing was leading the digital marketing and marketing ops teams at the time, eventually field marketing as well. And we built what I believe to be a world-class account-based marketing and selling program. So partnering with sales, building out the account-based framework, moving on to something very close to the demand unit waterfall. And then, you know, six years went by, we were in a really great place. The business is growing. And I I just kind of had the urge to build again. And so my former colleague called me and said, Hey, I'm at this company, keep trucking. And we are growing, you know, 70% year over year. We are doing extremely well pre IPO company and we're making this move up market and, and we need to bring in some heavy hitters in terms of the marketing and, and sales side of the business. And so that's how I came to Keep Trucking, which rebranded a month after I got to the, to the company. And now, now we're Motive. And so we're, we're selling into more industries than trucking in oil and gas, energy, field services, uh, construction. So it's been really exciting. It's been a fun ride and, and I'm looking forward to what's next here. As you joined the company, you're going to take a lot of what you built out at, at ServiceMax, adding this enterprise motion. What's going to be some of the differences in the team and the capabilities to support this new go-to-market model? Yeah, exactly. So the, the a vast, a good chunk of our business at Motive is SMB owner-operator in the trucking industry. We are not losing focus of that. That's the core of the business. It's an extension and an expansion in terms of our TAM. And so that's, a, that's different than, than ServiceMax, where we didn't have that small business part of our go-to-market motion. So we will need to have two funnels, two sets of KPIs. The things that are common will be sales qualified opportunities, revenue, expansions, things like that. But really, what we need to put a lot of emphasis into is really nailing down the foundations of the account-based framework. So making sure that we have solid account data, complete account data, that we don't have duplicates in terms of people or accounts, that we have good hierarchy, and that the territories are set up to be successful in terms of the accounts that sellers own. We also need to get things like lead to account matching, which is critical for making sure that the right lead goes to the right place quickly. I did a presentation a few years ago, actually, at Opstars, where we talked about the cost of a lead going to the wrong SDR. And there's re- there's research that says that it takes between three and five minutes to assess a lead. And so if you get thousands and thousands of leads, that really eats up a lot of time from the team. So making sure that, that we have that really nailed down is critical as we build this playbook out. So the first step you mentioned, making sure there's new duplicates in, in the data, is that something that you'll do as a one-time thing or something you're going to have to constantly revisit? It's a iterative project and it's a cross-functional project between marketing ops, sales ops, and our enterprise systems team, which manages cross-functional projects across the organization as relating to platforms. And so there are duplicates in any business's system. There are slightly different versions of a company name. There are subsidiaries. There are sibling companies. And so it's partially an effort of classifying what is an account. What do we consider an account? Is it, is it an office? Is it a legal entity? Is it something else? 
And so that's the first step. And then you build workflows and processes around making sure that we're adhering to those rules and to those definitions agreed upon with those other groups. And it's, it's a constant process to monitor and manage because, you know, as you know, as we're, as we're expanding the TAM and we're building out different ideal customer profiles, we're going to be importing accounts and chances are there's going to be accounts that we have that we just don't match for whatever reason that we'll, we'll need to be able to quickly identify and clean up. You're setting up that database. You have to make sure it's clean, ready to go around those targeted accounts that you've identified. Did you identify a finite set of target accounts or is it just a, a big pool based on an ICP? Tell me a little bit about how you determined the initial foundation. So we we look at the the verticals that we sell into and there's there's a defined set of verticals. And then we look at the market potential of each of those and the penetration the penetration rate, how, how many customers do we have in those verticals? And then we look for product market fit and how our features are well-suited for those industries. And then we stack rank them. And that's kind of the, the motion that we're having. So we work between product marketing, product management, and my group to create an integrated campaign effort where you know if we have imported a certain set of accounts for this vertical, and then people underneath those accounts that are our personas that we'll sell into. So we can market, start to kind of market into them via email, eventually retargeting, and then the whole orchestrated sales marketing effort where we'll have advertising to warm up the accounts. We'll work with the sales development reps on cadences of calls, emails, LinkedIn connects, and then some, some talk tracks as far as when we get inbound inquiries, coming in from these efforts or maybe maybe just general organic traffic, what messages do you say to these verticals? And it's it just needs to be a really prescriptive, really prescriptive process. And so it's important that we stagger out and we sequence the verticals so that we're enabling sales one at a time. And then eventually we'll build up the playbook of every applicable industry. So prior to going to large enterprise, the company was dealing with individuals coming in, right? So as you move toward this model of going after the account, have you had to shift to think buying group and different kinds of persona? And has the team had to change to adapt to that? Yes, it's a big change to move to an account-based framework. And and it's really, again, the way we're thinking about it is kind of a, a hybrid model where we have the traditional funnel that has suspect prospect, you know, MQL all the way down through SQL and, and, and close one. And then we have this new account funnel, which starts with the TAM and works into a targeted agreed upon finite number of accounts within that, that sales and marketing have prioritized to prospect into and to market into. And then it goes into a market qualified account or engaged account and then market qualified account. And then our traditional opportunity funnel. And so as a result of that, we need to think about metrics in a different way. There's research done about the size of the buying centers as your deal size increases. So like your sub 50K ACV, on average, there's seven people in the buying center. As you're looking at over $250,000 ACV, there's almost 20 people involved. And for that reason, one of the very important points that we're trying to share across the organization is that Tracking MQLs when we're thinking about an enterprise deal is not effective. It's actually, as we go up market increasingly, it's going to be 
a losing battle because there's more people involved in every deal. And there's going to be one opportunity out of all those people, out of all those MQLs, there's still one opportunity. And after that first MQL is qualified by a sales development rep, what do they do with the rest of the MQLs? They don't work them. They either recycle them or disqualify them. And so our MQL to opportunity rate is continuously dropping. And so that's why it's very important that we, we track everything at an account level and we measure apples to apples when we're thinking the upmarket sales and marketing KPIs. I hadn't heard those stats before in the number of buyers in the buying group. I thought it was like two versus six. So that's, that's crazy. <laughs> so do you nurture some of the other folks in the buying group trying to reach the probably the target buyer? But what do you do with the rest of the 19 or so that you're not going to talk to? Absolutely. It's a, a nurtured. We want to make sure that we're still nurturing people that are maybe not part of the core buying committee, the influencers, the decision makers. So part of what we're doing when we move up market is we're building out both value-based and persona-based nurture tracks. And so it could be a, a nurture track around safety. It could be on operations or fleet management. So we need to build those nurture tracks out to deliver quality content on a, on a regular cadence, just it, knowing that there will be people that start poking around on the website and they're interested in finding content. They're not, they're maybe not part of the buying committee, but they are interested in the topic. And what we'll be doing is actually sending that that insight to the selling team, just saying we're getting activity notifications from people within this account. They're going to these pages or they're viewing this content. And most of the time it will be just an FYI, especially if there's an opportunity that is in in play. But it's good, it's will help us better triangulate where an account is in there. Uh, evaluation cycle. And it'll also help us get more predictable with revenue and forecasting as we can start being able to compare how different accounts are behaving uh, when we win versus when we don't. Yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier, stack ranking the accounts at the outset. Is that engagement also help you to make sure that you're prioritizing activity on those opportunities and raising them back up? Are you using that information? Yeah. So this is, this is an area that we're actively building out. The the plan is that we will have four tiers of prioritization that have different criteria as far as what the what the accounts need to be in their buying stage. So they can't, there can't be an open opportunity, they can't be a customer, that kind of a thing. And the account executive, the, the purpose of a top tier account, the account executive commits to working those accounts and with the goal of creating a pipeline, an opportunity within one or two quarters. So it's that kind of a prioritization. Now, our, our first cut at doing this is looking at accounts within a territory that we believe are either engaging with us or we believe that we have great customer references and we can showcase the value that we've seen with those references with these accounts. Going forward, the idea would be to actually pair intent data and predictive buying intent with engagement. And so having those things, being able to, if not select the priority, then add to it or give us some really, will lead to really great conversation with the sales rep saying, hey, this is your priority one, but we're not detecting any intent off the website. We're not seeing any responses to Marketo emails or your phone calls and emails. And so why do you believe that this is the highest priority of account? I think that'll really kind of 
join the selling and marketing organizations even more than we've ever been because then we're we're in discussions about accounts before there's an opportunity and really trying to work together to create that pipeline. I was going to ask you how critical is your relationship with sales as you go through this, but it sounds like you're doing this in partnership from the start. That's how critical it is that you're you're communicating and aligning with sales leadership and sales team. Yeah, it's the most important thing. And I've I've learned throughout my career that there's no way to win in marketing without sales buying into what we're doing on the marketing side. Because too often you you see companies that are that are measuring only marketing generated and only marketing influenced, and it creates this us versus you, and then it's just inefficient. So having sales working with marketing at the very, very early earliest part, the foundational part of an account-based strategy where we're looking at the ideal customer profile and we're looking at wins and losses and saying, why is this account quote unquote good versus not good? And why is, why is this persona, why do we believe that this is a, a strong fit for us to market into? Just getting both teams really uh, thinking about that. And then on the flip side, as we get deep into opportunities, marketing does not go away. We're kind of an overlaying function at this point. So field marketing is you know, a third part of the a third part of the team with the sales development rep and the AE. Uh, I guess the fourth part with the salute the, the SEs and just really providing guidance as far as we can bring in product marketing, we can bring in our industry experts. How about a case study? How about a reference? I can pull in the performance team to to do some stage-based advertising, then it really gets into influencing opportunities. And now we're we're truly joined at the hip as far as going to market. Well, it's a lot of coordination. Well, what are the key KPIs that enable success? Or you mentioned even the attribution model. How do you think about measuring these activities? Yeah, there's a few there's a few things that as far as as far as attribution, I've I have personally always been a fan of one specific type of attribution. I'll say that the most important thing is that regardless of which type of attribution you believe in, it, it can't be marketing attribution. It has to be an agreed upon attribution. It has to be consistently run and looked at. So going back to attribution, which attribution I prefer, I've preferred the last successful touch on the primary contact before the opportunity was created. And of course, you have to have a, a window of time where that last touch can happen because it, it can't have happened four years ago. And then we create an opportunity today and it's magically marketing sourced. So again, we, we, we agree on a certain period of time where we'll flip the lead status back to blank or sales generated at a certain point. There's multi-touch attribution, which we use to see which stage different channels and content are being consumed. And that will help us with future planning and making sure that we're operating efficiently as far as our marketing spend. And then for KPIs and for metrics, for the upmarket function, it, it again is very account-centric. So we're talking about account engagement trends, the prioritized accounts, how many have we created an opportunity with, where, how many accounts have hit this market qualified account status, this MQA status? And that's, you know, it, that's a very easy one for people to digest because it's, you think, okay, MQL, there's a, there's a certain number that hit this threshold and it's similar, but it's at an account level. We look at SLAs as far as follow-up on accounts that hit this threshold. We look at pipeline coverage. So that it's not traditionally a, a marketing 
KPI, but with the fuel marketers being so laser focused on pipeline influence and closing, helping sales close deals, we do look at pipeline uh, bookings coverage. And we want to make sure that you have a at least a, a 4X bookings coverage for 12 months rolling. We look at conversion rates from key stages. So from opportunity open to the qualified status, which is a, a key handoff point, And then from qualified status to close one, we want to make sure that we're not seeing any kind of odd things happening throughout the funnel. And then we look at days to close and days in stage. So again, that helps not traditional marketing metrics, but it helps our team say there's opportunities that are stuck in stage. And we know that when that happens, more often than not, they fall out. So what can we collectively do to unstick the opportunity? Is it a, is it a target account email? Is it a sales cadence? Is it some advertising? Is it syndication that we can try to just drum up some, some activities? So those are the types of things that we're, we're starting to track now and build out the capabilities to track as we get a little bit more advanced with our team. That's an impressive list. Is this primarily sales ops that needs to align with the marketing team to track and monitor? Do you meet on a weekly, monthly basis? Are you building this out together? We meet constantly between the marketing operations team, my team in demand gen, various various team members in my group, and the sales ops team. And you know, they, we're we're constantly aligning on projects, initiatives, things like lead to account match and account cleanup and lead scoring adjustments. Because even something like a lead a, a lead metric, which historically marketing operations is managing that, now we're pulling in predictive intent and account level data into the lead scoring model. And so it's very important that all of our teams are aligned, including the technology roadmap. So there's no, there's no longer just MarTech, sales tech. We have so many points in time when we realize, oh, this is actually a shared technology. And so we're aligning on the roadmap for where we want to be in terms of our, our tech stack and what capabilities that opens up for us and making sure it's all integrated with our core platforms across the business. So I'd say that the traditional marketing and sales ops roles have pivoted to an extent. There are still certain things that are that are uh, more traditional, like you know, campaign services, lead lifecycle, those types of things. But the more and more we move into this account-based world, we're starting to pull in account data onto the lead records and using that in the workflows. And so it's just important that everybody kind of knows enough to be dangerous as far as the different disciplines within operations. So at Motive, are your operations professionals in a revenue operations team? At Motive, we do not have a RevOps team. It's kind of an informal coalition that that meets frequently. ServiceMax did not have a RevOps team either, nor did 5.9. But I have to say that the even the informal ties have gotten stronger and stronger between these groups just because... There's never an instance where your marketing automation just tosses it over. It's kind of like marketing and sales. We don't toss leads over the fence to sales. We don't push the lead score into our CRM and, and just hope that sales knows what to do with it. It's, it's a constant working relationship and partnership to, to really keep optimizing how we, how we operate. How are the operations professionals thinking about this process you're building out? Are they thinking about all of those KPIs you mentioned to ensure success more broadly. It sounds like really understanding the entirety of the end-to-end process. So 
I think as we build out more complicated orchestrated efforts where we have a, a grouping of accounts, a certain number of people within those accounts that are what we believe to be the buying centers. And then we have these marketing and sales tactics that hit for concerted effort for a period of time. It does get both teams thinking broader, more broadly than their, their typical function. So we start thinking about accounts and account data on, in the marketing ops side. We start thinking about how people flow into a sales execution platform on the sales ops side. And, and it just, the teams really do start meshing together that way. And I think the keys are the, the quote unquote handoff points between where a lead is and, and where an account is in their, in their funnel stage. And so, yeah, we, we haven't really changed the structure of the teams, so to speak. The sales ops team still focuses on other areas like uh, commissions and territory planning and things like that, that, that in, on the marketing team, we don't, we don't really have a, have a stake in helping with that planning. And the marketing ops team is handling things like landing page design and testing and email creation and automation, that type of thing. So there's, there's still unique parts, but the, what I found is that when we move up market, it really pulls the teams together, which is fun to see and will lead to some new, new capabilities to be, to be built up over time. You talked about orchestrating a lot of different capabilities. What do your dashboards look like? How are you tracking this? How are you knowing that, hey, as these accounts move through, I've got the right buyer, I have the right nurture for this influencer? Like, what are you looking at to help perfect your model? There's too much data. I think that's what, something that, that you probably hear a lot is that there, there's just an abundance of data to be had in different platforms today. So we look at the, the leadership and the marketing team are looking at lots of, lots of data from a lot of different places. So we look at channel level data. We have a, an amazing performance marketing team that has data on our programmatic buys, on our LinkedIn advertising, on social advertising, and trying to optimize the cost pers on that. We pair that kind of data with A-B testing on the creative and on the messaging that we have, and then moving a little bit further down funnel, then we look at landing page conversion rates. We look at how pages are, the bounce rates on certain web pages. We look at form fill rates and, and abandon rates. And then getting even further down funnel, we look at things like the SLA from the time that something does hit this qualified lead stage or, or market qualified account stage and how long it takes for our sales development reps to call into those or to reach them. We look at the conversion rates by channel and by, by type for and by lead source for MQL to opportunity at the low end of the market. And we look at influence on the high end of the market. And then we have dashboards that track everything like number of accounts impacted per selling team. So for a certain activity, if it's a webinar, we look at what percentage of our enterprise accounts were in attendance or had somebody that registered just to get a bearing of, is this really a targeted activity? Is this hitting the mark as far as meeting our, meeting our, our customers and prospects where they are? And so it's a, it's, it's a very broad set of things that we look at on, on any given point in time. And of course, it gets into opportunities and conversion rates and velocity and then expansion rates, 
things that the executive leadership at our company really want to see so that they can be predictable with the bookings for the quarter and for the year and continue growing at the rate that we've said to the board. Well, it's a massive amount to orchestrate. Um, as you're going through and building out this capability, how much time do you expect it to take and any tips or advice on how to move to build out an account-based approach? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I'm kind of a driver at a certain, you know, I, I try to hold myself back from all the, because I, I get so excited about this stuff when I start thinking about what can be that I, I'm five steps ahead of myself and I'm trying to plan all these things out. But realistically, with resource constraints, with other priorities, it just takes a while to get to this account-based nirvana. And so I'm thinking it's going to take a year. I'm thinking, you know, first half of next year, we will be best in class as far as the capabilities for account-based on the selling and marketing side for upmarket sales teams. And in order to get there, there's there's a roadmap and there's checkpoints that we have where we want certain things accomplished. So a lot of it is process-based and that the process-based things are really, I think what you need to take the most time on because you don't want to rush through setting prioritization or documenting what you believe an account is. You want to think through every angle and talk to a lot of people, people that have been at the company for years, people that are brand new and have a lot of experience outside of the organization. So getting that right. And then saying, okay, well, for to enable these processes, we either need these, these people capabilities or we need these platform capabilities. And then what's the roadmap for implementing? Because again, these platforms today are incredibly complex and there's so much data flowing in and out and all the integrations that you really need to plan out a good implementation plan. And it, it just takes a long time. And then there's the whole enablement of the sales team. And sales is closing business. They're not waiting for how to look at account alerts coming through in their email. And what does this mean? What is a Bombora spike or you know any of these things? And so having a, a really great enablement plan that builds excitement, but also kind of sticks in, sticks in people's heads. And so they, they start thinking about things differently. They're not waiting at your desk for an MQL to come by. You're, you're waiting for an alert to come from anonymous account activity, or you're waiting to see that a company has just announced that they have a digital transformation initiative, those types of things. And then you go in and you get your playbook of cadences for how to call in when you see a digital transformation notice. That's when your teams are operating so much more efficiently and, and it'll lead to being much more effective, but it's not an overnight change. Yeah. And I appreciate you, you saying that. And I also appreciate taking the time to really understand your audience, what you need to build and getting it all defined so that everybody's aligned. This has been fantastic. So much information. Any other takeaways or advice from this topic? So just going back to the, the big, kind of the big rocks, I would say that sales partnership is critical. And as a marketer, as somebody in, in operations, everybody needs to be thinking, marketing does not succeed. Marketing does not win if sales does not win. And so what do I need to do in my role in order to be successful, to create an exceptional customer experience, to deliver a lot of value, and to help our sales teams hit targets? I think focusing on the foundational aspects, when we're talking about an account strategy, things like data quality, ideal customer profile and prioritization, 
insights and alerts, things like that. You need to really think through how all those things are necessary in order to get to an account-based strategy or, or a hybrid model as we have with small business all the way up through multinational accounts. And then just from for speaking specifically for the upmarket operations, just focusing on accounts and buying centers and, and not necessarily MQLs because of what we were talking about as far as the buying centers getting larger still leads to one opportunity and your conversion rates, thus your conversion rates will be increasingly lower as you move up market and expand your TAM. So I think those are those are the big the big takeaways that I would that I would have for for listeners. Excellent. Thank you for that summary. Two final questions in closing. The first is advice to someone who is just starting out in an operations role. I would say if you're just starting your first operations role, learn as much as you absolutely can. Try to join some of these online communities where there's best practice sharing. Try to take some of the certifications that are available, whether or not this is part of your day job. Just learning about this space and about some of the advances in the space because I would say that operations more than any other more than any other function is rapidly evolving, rapidly, rapidly evolving. And being able to stay ahead of the curve on that is critical. And I feel the same way in my career where I always want to know what other companies are doing. I want to know what great looks like. I want to know what the next future facing trends are because if we're not moving in that direction, our competitors will. And so th- that mindset never, never stops, even after your first, your first role. But yeah, I would, say, I would say learn as much as you can. Think about the big picture as far as you're not just cleaning up a lead record or enriching an account. You are, you are doing something that is greater than that. And it is geared toward making sure that the funnel is, is frictionless and it, the, it, the win rates are improving and your company is growing faster. That's how you need to think about the role because it's an ultra critical role within the company. Terrific advice. Thank you. And final question, who in the world of operations would you most like to take to lunch? Okay. So I, I worked with, for a long period of time, I worked with the counterpart on the sales ops side, Michael Perry, who is now at a company called Observe AI, and he's fantastic. He, he's a big thinker. He's a forward-facing, you know, forward-thinking person in the sales ops world. So I'd probably take him to lunch. He lives in the same town as I do, so we're not that far away, actually. But in our own little work-from-home environments, it's hard to, hard to get out of the office sometimes. But yeah, Michael, I, will, I think I owe you a lunch anyway. All right. Maybe I'll, I'll prompt you to make sure that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Pat. And I hope you'll join us at OpStars in September. We're going to have it again during Dreamforce. So hope to see you there. And, and thanks for sharing today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. The OpStars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com. And then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.